break, draft, trade. Let's get started. Next episode, we'll talk about who's going to top Stefan Diggs' contract. Will it be A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, or Terry McLaurin? I like it. Can you dig it? <laughs> or some third-string receiver that doesn't deserve it. No, it's because of how good he looks. He's a rookie this year. Stay tuned for broken news. It gives us an upscale look to our pod. He needs wine. Today is not an upscale day. I had McDonald's for dinner. My wife's at school. Mm, okay, okay. I'm drinking Stella out of a can. Show you what this is. So it's break, draft, trade. Is it that type of night? Oh, okay, Stella. Oh, they both have Stella Artois. Stella and my Snoop can. Oh, I think Stella's upscale. No. No. It's not. There you go. No. <laughs> when we get done, we'll send this podcast to Stella. I think that's Good idea. This episode is brought to you by Stella Artois, the greatest beer. <laughs> I don't drink beer, but when I do, it's Stella, the most interesting man in the galaxy. I do not always pay $17 for 12 beers, but when I do, I drink Stella Artois. <laughs> Stella, the greatest beer at Applebee's. You don't have to worry about it, but we'll have uh, our editor look it over here, Henry. Our editor. Oh, Clark Kent! I can't even tell who he is. Well, hello, Clark. Welcome back to our pod. Thank you, Lois. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, we're so happy to have you. We're going to run off to a phone booth real quick. Alrighty. What? Are you yelling at me? Am I getting fired? Zisco said he wants to hear more of me, so I'm trying to have things to say. It's like the ramen noodles of college life. <laughs> the ramen noodles are so much better. I've never heard them comped to ramen noodles. <laughs> well, leave it. Receivers to NFL players, and uh, yeah, <laughs> well, which we could comp to maybe like ramen noodles too, right? Yeah. If you're looking for a good bargain, this is the ramen noodle of wide receiver. None of us have eaten, so we're gonna comp all of these uh, prospects to various forms of food this episode. So <laughs> it's the McDonald's. <laughs> this is Tito's. So who's your filet mignon? <laughs> Out of curiosity, who would you say is your filet? <laughs> Zach Wilson. <laughs> Drafting Spiller is like ordering steak at a fish place. Yeah, it's like steak at a buffet at a gas station. Gas station steak. Or sushi. No, that's gas station sushi. <laughs> gas station sushi. In Pennsylvania, they have really good gas station fried chicken and honey biscuits. Ooh, honey biscuits sound really good. Oh, yeah, it was really weird. It was like a Sunoco, and they had a fried chicken place inside. And gross. It sounds gross. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like actually not bad. I don't know. I mean, sometimes gas station food... Sometimes those places you least expect can pull it out. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I have to stop saying pull it out. <laughs> I have to be really selective with that. Can't do it more than two episodes in a row. Oh. It's going to become a theme. <laughs> oh, God. Gina's pull it out again. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah Spiller really is gas station sushi. The name sounds good, right? Sushi, like Spiller. You're like, oh, yeah, CJ Spiller. Oh, yeah. and then you can it on the bills. Mm-hmm. Looks pretty good in the container. You're like, hmm, that doesn't look awful. Mm-hmm. You pull it out of the Big 12 container. You're like, man, <laughs> Big 12 prospects. They suck. And that's it for our pull out and pray segment. <laughs> pull out and pray. <laughs> well, you're going to hear just about anything on this podcast at any given time. <laughs> Including pull out advice. <laughs> Maybe not advice. <laughs> Welcome back to the Rank Draft Trade Podcast, where we discuss all your fantasy football ranking, drafting, and trading needs. With the ever-changing world of football, we try to keep you up to date and informed. In last week's episode, we took some time to discuss some up-and-coming rookie wide receivers and did a mock draft of last year's rookies. We talked about how they land in a draft this year compared to last year. May have surprised you that a guy like Jamar Chase was taken at the 102 as compared to a mid-first round last year, or a QB that we still aren't sure about his role this year, such as Trey Lance, was taken at the 104. So much changes in just one season. In today's episode, we're going to continue our rookie theme. Today, we have a mixed bag of wide receivers, running backs, and QBs. Each one of our fantasy faves, Mike, Henry, and Nick, are going to pick two rookies to talk about and give you some ideas of possible outcomes to expect and things to look for. Since I haven't been fired yet, I'm still your host, Gina Noble, the queen. And speaking of our fantasy faves... 
Allow me to introduce them. Let's start with a man who gives Magic Mike a whole new meaning. Our very own Big Papa, Fantasy Magic Mike. <laughs> oh, these are getting better and better. I like how he just laughs. That's all you can do. I like that one too. Thank you very much. Mike, say hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Moving on to our king of good hair, our Superman of stats. Clark Kent did show up for this pod today, Henry St. Clair. Well, you know, I didn't get stuck in the phone booth for as long as I had worried, so we managed to make it out with relatively okay hair. <laughs> it wasn't too windblown or anything? No. It's always windy in the telephone booths. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of the telephone booth. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And of course, the man responsible for making us all sound like we have any type of clue what we're doing. And one of the punniest guys around, everyone's favorite, Mr. Iowa in the NFL, Nick James. You guys are all all-stars. It's an honor to get to work on everything you guys get to share here. And, yep, I'm ready to talk about a few more rookies at this time of year. Let's get started talking about rookies. Let's start with running back Brian Robinson out of Alabama. He's 6'1", 226 pounds, 20 23-year-old. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? He's 20 feet tall. <laughs> he's, he's looking really big, you guys. He's looking big. Looking uh, big. Like, wow, Brian, you're looking big. <laughs> he's a fifth-year senior, uh, redshirted his freshman year. Papa, I think you were going to talk about Brian Robinson. Uh, what do you want to share as far as he goes and where his draft capital might lie? Brian Robinson, running back out of Alabama. A lot of what you're going to look at with him is going to be last year, just because he was buried on the death chart behind Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, Bo Scarborough, I believe. Mm -hmm. He didn't really play a whole lot his first four years, so he didn't get a lot of carries. And then his last year, he still he put up over 1,300 yards and 14 touchdowns in 2021 at 23 years old. But he wasn't really that efficient, only getting five yards a carry at Alabama. Buried on the depth chart for several years so we didn't see a lot of it, a lot out of him he did go ahead and catch a few passes last year which is a positive sign but he really does lack the ability to pass block he was always kind of like chop blocking he's not a terrible blocker he's just not great at actually engaging people behind the line he was he was great at like chop blocking and kind of like throwing himself out there but actually engaging and holding off a defender no so i really don't see him having a lot of like third down opportunity in the nfl and he's also probably not going to get a lot of draft capital some things i do like about him he's a real strong power runner but he is very upright so he does have like a really like a big area to hit he doesn't really lower the shoulder at all but he does run fairly hard he's not terribly fast but he really isn't slow at four five three another great thing about him is he's not going to be going early in the draft so he's not going to be going early in your rookie drafts He's going to end up being a later pick for you. He's probably going to end up going in the late second, early third at best in your rookie draft. So you'll be able to get him at a pretty cheap value. And it, there's definitely some realm of possibility that he does latch on somewhere as an early down back. We've highlighted some of the better running backs in this class and some of the other better players in this class. And Brian Robinson, for example, is someone who we don't just know everything we need to know right now to be able to make an accurate prediction of exactly what's going to happen. But we do have a general idea that it's not one of the top end guys. And it's somewhere in that, like you were describing there, second to third round range. That's exactly where I've seen him mocked currently as well. He is one of my favorite ones after the running backs that I like at the top. Before you get to all the different other stabs at running backs, he'll be taken for the rest of your draft. But Brian Robinson, you know, pretty much if it's an Alabama running back, you got to assume that with the the talent of teammates around him that he gets a pass for not breaking out until he's 23, which he is now. I mean, but also at the same time, he wasn't getting close to six yards a carry like Najee, so he's not going to be that level of back, and I just don't see that. I mean, even though he can catch a few passes, like I said, he's not really great with pass blocking, so he's probably not going to be in that third down role, which is going to significantly cut his ceiling. 
maybe at best a Damian Harris type situation, but I don't think he's going to get similar draft capital at all. Do you see Brian Robinson serving a role as more of a secondary running back position? You're not seeing him go into any type of situation where he'd be the lead back. It's hard to say anything like that. I mean, it depends on how you qualify like lead back. He could go somewhere and be the first and second down running back between the tackles, and then they bring in a guy on third down, bring a guy in on the goal line or something, but he's probably going to be in a timeshare complimentary piece to somebody, you know, maybe... Maybe, like, best case for him would be, like, maybe getting, like, fourth round, fifth round capital in Arizona, and they don't take another running back, where he could take down those, er- like, those early rushing down work, you know, with James Conner kind of taking the passing work and passing down some goal line carries. That's the type of role I think that he's kind of capable of. Yeah, he had a very similar season to Najee's junior year of 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns. Obviously, Najee's senior year, he had 26 rushing touchdowns, which is double what he had. Uh, he's not quite the prospect Najee was, but I do think it's being a little oversold. Like some people think that he's just awful, and it's like he's the running back at Bama. Clearly, he beat out like 500 other people for that job, so <laughs> he can't be awful. I mean, he did the same thing in high school. Uh, in his high school career, he wasn't the starter until his senior year. He did the same thing in college. He just kind of got buried in the depth chart when he was younger. I just don't see him as well-rounded as the other guys, so that's kind of going to limit his ceiling to me. But the cost he's going to have in our rookie drafts definitely makes him somebody to look for. It has to mean something coming from Alabama. I mean, Alabama is known to produce some pretty good running backs. Oh, yeah. They definitely, I mean, they have running backs on their roster that are good. They have top recruits on their roster behind him last year. So it's not like he's playing with nobodies. It's just he got buried behind actual NFL stars. So you can't tell me sitting behind Najee is probably not the worst thing in the world. I mean, it's a little concerning. It's going to hurt his draft capital and where we're going to end up getting him. But, you know, it's not like he was sitting behind, you know, some seventh string running back in the NFL. Right. Most landing spots, I see it as like, I'm going to end up drawing a line in the sand where all right i want these receivers and then i'm probably not going to take many receivers for the rest of the draft Uh and he's going to be right there after that line for like the last wide receiver that i believe in the combination of draft capital landing spot and profile and then he has at least a chance to end up towards the top of what is that tier I don't know if Papa mentioned it, but he did suffer an injury towards the latter half of the season. They kind of hobbled him, and he played through it during the bowl game and the last couple games of the year. So perhaps caused a bit of a downturn in his production. Maybe didn't test as well as he could have. Who knows? But he could definitely be a high floor, low ceiling type of running back like Damian Harris was in New England, where it's like, you know, a lot of yards maybe and then it's you know does he get the outlier number of touchdowns like Damian Harris got but obviously that's all super landing spot dependent and draft capital dependent but I think he's he's got talent he's not crazy but something that comes to mind could it be a positive that he didn't get a whole lot of playing time until 2021 in a sense that it's it's not as much wear and tear on his body Yes, he suffered this one injury, but he's fresh going into the NFL, perhaps, because he wasn't playing for so long. I mean, being 23 years old, does that help? He gets an excuse. I mean, that probably helps some longevity, but... I mean, why wasn't he playing? Why wasn't he getting carries? Yep. The guys above him we value pretty highly. So it's not like he had slouches ahead of him, but still, it leaves a little bit to the unknown. It is interesting that he kind of sat around there for five years, right? We saw it with Camara, where he transferred out of Alabama, and Jamison Williams, we spoke about last episode, transferring out of Ohio State to Bama. A lot of guys transfer out of a college where they don't get the immediate opportunity. And it seems like Saban had to have believed in him enough to the point where he was like, yeah, you're a fifth-year senior and you're our guy and he wasn't bringing in younger guys to come keep taking his job although it happened once or twice but eventually got his opportunity and he performed yeah let's move into zamir white we've got a six foot 215 pound running back out of georgia 22 years old zamir tore his acl in 2018 and also injured his left acl in 2018 injured his right knee in 2017 so we definitely have some injury history iowa i think this is someone you were going to 
talk about. Give us some background and thoughts on Zamir White. Samir White is someone who highlights this big group of running backs where there's a good chance it all shifts around based on how many actually end up getting enough draft capital added to their profile. But he's one of the premier ones. He's been touted for a long time, was a five-star prospect, and was the top running back in the 2018 class. Ran a 4-4, and at 22.5, it makes him younger than the next running back we're going to talk about here watching him play it seems like it's either one cut and burst or pretty much all around okay without the receiving work my biggest criticism of him would be like receiving work and someone we'll get to later james cook is someone who is split in that backfield with and james cook produced the vast majority of the receiving work that came from that backfield and that's how it's been basically for the last two years this led to him having a, a low catch total and a low target share which which that's something you look for is one of the check boxes for a prospect running back. Zamir doesn't necessarily check that for me, but has the accelerator that you like to see as far as planting and bursting. It doesn't seem to be incredibly elusive to me, but at six foot two fourteen, he's big enough to where don't necessarily have to have all the jukes in the world there. But even not being the most elusive or shifty, obviously is fast. As especially for being 214 pounds and six feet tall. So someone I'm interested in on a great Georgia team. Did you touch on his injuries, Iowa? Yeah, I was like, he's four years removed. I think that is a, a good point to make those four years removed from the ACL. We saw Dalvin Cook like three years removed from one, and he bounced back just fine. Papa likes to bring it up a ton with Saquon, who we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about here. But <laughs> the further someone gets away from an ACL tear, they typically – get healthier as time goes on given you're not 30 or something but and frank gore too they're not 30 yeah that was a good description of them what iowa's yeah moving right along iowa let's move into rashad white running back at arizona state 23 years old this is a guy who received no offers from big schools and opted to actually play division two Moved to a JUCO school. Shows up on this tape. Huh? Shows up on this tape that he didn't get any big time offers. Well, he's not. You don't like him? <laughs> I, I didn't care for him, but. And then, so out of JUCO is where he ended up at Arizona State. He got recruited from a JUCO. Arizona. Arizona. Arizona State. <laughs> Mike! I like my Zs for the record. They're technically perfect. When you're writing script. So he's a he's an interesting prospect because this is a guy who obviously didn't get noticed right away. What are we looking for? What do we see in Rashad White? What have you seen as far as him prospect-wise? You nailed most of it there. Zamir White and Rashad White are both almost the same size. Uh, Rashad White was only a three-star in the 2020 class, and my biggest red flag for him is that he's 23.2 years old. So he broke out last year when he was probably as old or older than just about everyone he was facing. He did break out at Mount San Antonio College. I mean, for what that's worth before he transferred to Arizona State. Productive on a per-game basis in the 2020 COVID season, so it's kind of like he's been doing well for a couple different years, but the biggest thing that I love about Rashad White is that he had, for just last year, had 43 catches and a 16% target share per player profiler. That accounted for a large percent of the offense for Arizona State. He's got the target share checkbox and receptions check box he ran a 448 so he's got the speed check box he's six foot 214 that's big enough so he checks all those boxes he seems hard to tackle breaks a lot of arm tackles uh, is somewhat elusive I see arguments that he is an upright runner where he's like you know not exactly what you look for as far as uh, how upright he is when he runs but he seems to to me to have like patience and with that vision i've seen it also posted as like a criticism where you know slows down when he meets opponents but a lot of that seems to me just like finding the correct path because it's not like he's just juking someone out of their shorts in the open field a lot of it is just patience and vision 
I would have guessed that Zamir White was much faster than Rashad White, and they were pretty close. Rashad White, 4-4-8, Zamir, 4-4. But I think part of it is just because it's not like he's using his speed to beat people. So with all that said, Rashad White, if he happens to go day two, there's a lot of spots I would be kind of interested in him. Like if he went to Denver and he was uh, this year's Melvin Gordon, that would be amazing. So strong wide receiving skill, or I should say strong ability to catch balls, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, you're fine. I was trying not to laugh at balls. Balls. I said balls. Trying to pretend like I'm mid-30s. Okay, rewind. (laughs) Good receiving back. Rashad White, we'd consider a good receiving back. Could he possibly fit into one of those roles where he is a double designation running back wide receiver like a Cordero Patterson at all? Like like Demetric Felton almost. That's kind of who I had him comp to, similar size. He ran a lot faster than Demetric Felton. Demetric Felton was the shock of the combine to me last year when he ran so slow. He played with like the Alvin Kamara turf tape. And so whenever you wear the turf tape on your elbows, you just look immediately cooler with those white like stripes on your arms. You just looked faster. It was like there's something to watch, you know. It's more aerodynamic. Noted. Yeah, Rashad Rashad White to me was someone kind of like Jamar Jefferson when we were talking last year about Jamar Jefferson. And I had just started talking to these guys and they loved Jamar Jefferson. And I was like, who? Like I he wasn't even on my radar. And Rashad White was kind of the same way until about a week ago. And I like him more than I like Jamar Jefferson because for one, he tested a lot better, and for two, the receiving production, like Iowa had said. Uh, would be very surprised to see him get day two capital, but it wouldn't be impossible. It is very landing spot dependent. Yeah, Jamar kind of wrecked a lot of hopes with a less than stellar combine performance last year. But yep, in this whole group, that's that's going to happen. A lot of them are going to be kind of taken out by the combine or knocked down a bit like Spiller or Kyron. And then once draft capital rolls along, whoever gets picked you know, seventh round and undrafted. There's going to be guys that are in people's top 10, 15 running backs who don't get drafted and just fall off ranks altogether. Probably worth noting, since you noted his age, he does not have any prior injury history. Been pretty healthy through his time as a running back. There you go. He could go to the Lions. And Tigers and Bears, oh my. (laughs) The Sun Devil can go play with the Sun God. (laughs) All right. Good deal. Moving right along. We're going into, is it Coral or Corral? Corral. It's Golden Corral. Is it Corral? Yeah. Uh, Corral, yeah, it's okay, Corral. Because I was Corral. actually going to make a joke about, is he the Golden Corral of QB? Yes. Is that good or bad? That's bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, it's a buffet. Come on. <laughs> All you can eat. I love Golden Corral, but I'm low class. <laughs> I'm low class. Uh, yes, but it's certainly not like white tablecloths, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, brown tablecloths. All right, Clark Kent, it's your turn. Let's talk about Matt Corral. Well, you can't look up Matt Cor- Corral height. It will lie to you. You have to look up Matt Corral combine height. According to our team's website, I was 5'11", 220. Oh, yeah, that's a lie. <laughs> Shit, that's a big difference. They added like four inch on you. And had a nine inch. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> According to the bartender, I'm 20 years old. Yeah, well, I'm 29 <laughs> forever, too. Uh, according to my what's in my head, I'm 29. Clark Kent, let's get into Matt Corral. We've got a 6'2", 212-pound quarterback out of Ole Miss, 23 years old. What is it that you want to tell us about Corral? Well, I'll tell you what was known about Matt Corral five months ago was that he's the QB1 in the class. It was this entire year, almost his junior year, it was he was going to be the quarterback one of this year. And then all the way up until he got injured, it was he was the quarterback one of this draft. And then he got injured, and then Kenny Pickett had his fake slide game. Everyone fell in love with Kenny Pickett for a month. And then Malik Willis had his bowl game in the senior bowl, and everyone fell in love with Malik Willis. And Matt Corral has just been left for dead. And he will not be left for dead in the NFL draft, and he should not be left for dead in your ranks. 
This last year, he had 600 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns on the ground. Ole Miss ran a ton of RPOs. Almost everything in their offense this year was RPO or play action, and a lot of the play action was an RPO play action. His junior year, also 500 yards rushing. He was a two-year starter there. He's not like a Drew Locke four-year starter or one of those guys that only starts one year, but he's gotten two years of tutelage under Lane Kiffin there at Ole Miss, a great coach. He had 3,300 yards passing the last two years, 29 touchdowns his junior year, uh, a little more turnovers, 14 interceptions. Then as a senior, he had 20 touchdowns and five interceptions. So not necessarily the most prolific, like 50 touchdown seasons we've seen out of some quarterbacks, but he ran the offense to a T and led Ole Miss to heights that they haven't reached in a long time. He's going to be a great NFL fit, like a Ryan Tannehill type of quarterback, where he's going to be able to run within a system very well. He has the arm to make any throw you want. It's just a matter of how well can he play outside of a system. If the play breaks down, what can he do? Um, To me, the number one quarterback, his ceiling is right up there with Willis for me. But it's going to be a matter of where he lands. Like with a lot of these quarterbacks, it's, you know, how many teams really need a quarterback to come in to start this year. I think he's one of only two guys, maybe three, that can come in and start day one. Sure, it was interesting you said that, uh, that before. It's kind of crazy how he was like the, the QB1, and then he kind of just like disappeared, and people like really weren't talking about him. The injury. The injury. Like, even if you go on, like, you know, if you're watching the NFL Network and you're watching their mock drafts, like another guy, he's not really talking about him. He just kind of disappeared. Most lists will have Willis and Pickett over him now, which they're both good players, uh, but some lists will have like Howell or even Ritter with some of the combined buzz from the 40 over him. And I get it. They're good prospects and maybe all five wind up first rounders. But to me, Corral is every bit as good as the top of the class. I like what you said there, because if you look at mock draft ranks, you'd think that five quarterbacks got good landing spots with where they go in mock drafts, and it's just so unlikely that it's actually going to work out for five of them. That's best case scenario for the quarterbacks where you're taking them in mock drafts right now. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's like three of them end up staying there and two of them end up falling much later in drafts. But yes, Matt Corral. He's someone I have at about my QB2. Now, the difference between like my QB2 and my QB5 is not very far. And I, I waffle back and forth often with it. But I was taking Matt Corral as QB1 back when we first started doing mock drafts for this rookie season. That's what he was. He was the consensus quarterback one. Mm-hmm. And I get it, especially for fantasy, don't get me wrong, Malik Willis is my quarterback one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because of the rushing upside. I don't think he's exceptionally faster than Ritter, but he is a better runner overall. Like, he can juke more people. He may not be faster, straight line speed, but to me, he has the potential to translate more to the NFL field with the running. And so with that being said, and some of the throws on the run across the body that Willis can do, his you know sky's the limit there. But if you made me bet on one to succeed, it would probably be Corral or Pickett with the highest floor. I'm pretty sure those are the two oldest ones as well. It would make sense. They seem like the most polished quarterbacks that have been in the system longest. And uh, obviously Willis went to the smaller school. And we spoke about him on a previous pod, so I won't rehash a ton of it. But I do like Matt Corral quite a bit. So you wouldn't be comparing him to the Golden Corral? I don't know. He uh, <laughs> All-you-can-eat buffet sounds pretty good. He'll serve up them touchdowns. Maybe getting a bargain at the buffet, <laughs> the quarterback buffet. Hal was someone that I had as my quarterback one for this class two years ago. I did too. I really liked his arm. Yeah, he's literally like Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was six foot and a half mm-hmm. and two fifteen. Oh, he looks like him too. He does, <laughs> and he talks like him. I don't know if you've seen a Sam Howell interview, but it's like the arrogance and the confidence and the like character is the same guy. That's crazy. I think Baker obviously was a better prospect given he went first overall, and we see where Baker is at this point in his career. So it's kind of like, what the hell is Howell's ceiling if Baker failed? <laughs> Is Howell really that much different of a prospect? I mean... No, not than Baker. And no. he's got to be a worse prospect than Baker because no. Baker went first overall on a loaded glass. Keeping with our quarterbacks, Mike, Sam Howell. Let's discuss Sam. Uh, this is a QB out of North Carolina. He is 6'1", 218 pounds, 21 years old. He was the starting quarterback for the Tar Heels 
as of day one of his career, which is kind of interesting because that doesn't always happen. ACC Rookie of the Year in 2019, and he had an even better 2020. What do you have to say about Sam Howell? He looks just like Baker Mayfield. He's got that same size as Baker Mayfield. He did great that freshman year. If you play in Debbie Leagues, right after that, he was probably your QB1. I know he was Claire's QB1 two years ago. He was mine. And after his freshman year, I mean, his sophomore year in 2020 did get a little better in some ways, but it definitely, I mean, it wasn't like noticeably better. Um, big issue with him was this last year. He really regressed after losing his big playmakers. He lost Carter. He lost Javante. He lost Daz. He lost Diami. Diami Brown. Th those were like four like 1,000-yard producers for him, and he lost all of them. And he kind of struggled. He threw fewer touchdowns. His yardage went down like five or 600 yards. Um, one thing that he did benefit from, he did get a significant amount of rushing yards, and he had like 11 rushing touchdowns last year, which is a little interesting because he didn't run the 40 at the combine, so that kind of makes me wonder if he knew his 40 time wasn't good and wanted the numbers to kind of like push his draft capital up. He's fairly accurate, but he's kind of inconsistent with his throws. Sometimes he's a little far left, far right, short. Generally, last year especially, he tended to kind of like rushed a little too much and kind of move around in the pocket kind of like the complaints about Russell Wilson getting sacked so much because he's moving around the pocket so much Sam Howell's kind of doing the same thing his performance last year definitely pushed his draft capital back he's not as highly ranked in the NFL or fantasy so that could kind of create a value I just don't really see him being much more than a high-end uh, quarterback too as a ceiling an elite quarterback losing their top wide receivers is going to overcome that challenge, right? Yeah, especially in college. They're not playing against NFL talent. I mean, obviously, they're going to be future NFL players there. They should still be able to overcome that. I mean, you have guys like Joe Burrow just absolutely exploding their senior years. And, you know, a lot of the quarterbacks going to the draft, especially when they're declaring early in their junior year, usually having a great year and having his worst year of his career as his most experienced year is kind of puzzling. How will he recover from that? <laughs> Well, he adapted to the situation and decided to run a whole lot more. And I probably wouldn't run at the combine either and just leave it ambiguous if it's not going to be pretty because it didn't look like he was necessarily fast. But he'd take hits and keep running. He's big enough. But yeah, it's. I almost feel like he should have gone pro last year. He couldn't have declared. Yeah. Otherwise, he probably would have. Yeah, at 21 and a half, he's one of the youngest quarterbacks in this class. Could be like another Sam. Darnold came out at like 20 and a half almost and took a while to develop and still hasn't really blossomed, but he's you know still younger than Burrow. And we're going to be saying the same thing three years from now if they're both first round picks between Howell and Pickett. One of those things where he's two years younger. Maybe a team likes that upside of the younger guy that uh, we didn't quite mention it there. He lost Dylan Raddins, his best tackle coming out of this last year. He was a second round pick by the Titans. So you lose, you know, your best offensive linemen, your two best receivers, your two stud running backs. It's understandable why his production dipped. The guys that replaced them probably weren't entirely ready to step into those roles, probably weren't as good as Diami and Daz Newsome. I know what people are going to say. They're like, those guys suck. I don't know. Diami Brown, I still hold out hope for, but who knows if Howell made him look better, if he made Howell look better. Time will tell on that. But Howell, you know, when you see the high-end upside of a quarterback and he doesn't necessarily fall off the cliff, right? 24 touchdowns, 9 interceptions still isn't an awful year. Obviously not always the toughest competition, but they do play against Clemson, who, again, was not great this year, um, and some other good teams in the ACC, but they should have been better than they were, and Howell should have been should have been better than he was. Yeah, I mean, and he still had 11 touchdowns on the ground, so that's obviously going to take away from some of his passing there. And he still could, I mean, I still think he's going to get, like, maybe early second-round capital. Some people project him maybe late first to the Lions, but I, I think he could be, and he might end up sitting for a little bit, and that might be okay, but he'll be a great value in rookie drafts. It's not like we're talking about a guy who we're looking at top five in our, in our rookie drafts. We're not. We're looking at somebody maybe late first, early second, and if you can get a starting quarterback, even, like, a high-end, like, QB2 seal, that late in the draft that's always great i mean look at mac jones last year definitely and uh i think he had the second most broken
broken tackles of anyone last year. It was Willis was number one, and then Howell was number two. He had 800 yards on the ground. He had 100 more rushing attempts than he had the year before, and I think a lot of that is attributed to losing the weapons, losing the protection on the offensive line, being forced to scramble, taking more sacks. Everything kind of fell apart around him. Obviously, he didn't elevate those around him. Could be a red flag. Could be uh, an experienced quarterback feeling flustered. Fantasy-wise, it was a better season last year because of the rushing. Probably was. I don't play in a bunch of Debbie leagues, but I'm sure they enjoyed that rushing. Yeah, he's third uh, third all-time in ACC passing touchdowns behind Taj Boyd, who I always love to bring up with the Clemson receivers, Watkins, Hopkins, Martavis Bryant, and then Phillip Rivers. And then behind Howell is Trevor Lawrence at four. So he's in good company, except Taj Boyd. So. Yeah, Taj Boyd. <laughs> Taj Boyd is uh, 12 touchdowns ahead of Phillip Rivers. <laughs> All right, on, on to Teddy. No, we're going Kenny Pickett, aren't we? Oh, he's calling him two gloves. He's calling him Teddy two gloves. I get it now. Mike, keeping with quarterbacks, we're moving into Kenny Pickett. Quarterback out of the University of Pittsburgh, 6'3", 217 pounds, 23 years old. How are you liking Kenny Pickett? I mean, there's definitely things I do like and a bunch of stuff I don't like about him. He's projected to get fairly early draft draft capital in the NFL and probably going to be a day one starter. With that being said, he didn't really kind of like break out really until like his fifth year starting, um, fifth year playing. He was there for five years. Uh, it wasn't until last year where he had 4,300 yards. And before that, he really wasn't even known. He probably wasn't on anyone's radar. So that was a little concerning to me. He's average with accuracy. He's got average arm strength, but he's super confident in his arm. He kind of tries to force some throws that he probably just shouldn't make. While he's not a rushing quarterback, he is a bit mobile. I mean, he only ran a 4.73, but just to give you an idea, that's like the range of like Mahomes and Josh Allen. So it's not like he's going to be like a rushing quarterback like your Trey Lance or your Malik. But uh, he can definitely move in the pocket. And he can definitely go ahead and take off and run when he does need to. But not a tremendous amount of rushing upside, but it is there. Really think he's kind of average. Yeah, he uh, received the Player of the Year Award and Offensive Player of the Year Award. He was the first pit player since James Conner in 2014 to win both of those. It's really interesting. I mean, my biggest issue with him, I mean, on top of the hand size, because the only player that has a hand size of his or smaller was Michael Vick. And other than that, we don't really have a lot of data. I mean, that's why he does wear two gloves, kind of like Teddy Two Gloves, <laughs> the bridge quarterback. There it is. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> So it's it, that's going to be a little concerning with the fumbles. The ball is a little bit bigger. Can he really hold on to it? Can he go ahead and get the throws down? That's a question a lot of people are going to have. But like I said, he's going to get the early draft capital, so he's probably going to be getting the playing time to see what he does do with it. Yep. We have a big list of players that we have as far as rookie incoming rookies ranked. Uh, the list stands at 124 players. He's the fourth oldest player going pro this year with Kenny Pickett at 23.8. I did a C2C mock startup last year, and I looked back at that today, and Kenny Pickett isn't even on the ADP. He didn't break out until his fifth year, but there's talk that like Carolina likes Pickett. If he goes to Carolina, it's obviously because they like him, because of where they are as far as in the first round and whatnot, but Kenny Pickett is just someone who I feel like could potentially be a little bit of a trap, not someone who I've been really targeting in any of these mocks. Uh, really most of the quarterbacks for that matter but Kenny Pickett specifically being that it took you until your fifth year to finally break out but you broke out in a major way I mean like he was in the running for the Heisman so I uh, get the love for him but yeah I agree with you completely there the big problem with him is he's going to get the early draft capital probably and then you're going to be taking him early in your rookie drafts and I just don't think he's really a player that I'm looking to be taking that early I just don't see tremendous upside with him he wasn't really making the big throws in college and everyone likes to like look back and say look Joe Burrow broke out his senior year Joe Burrow threw like 60 touchdowns and Kenny Pickett is not the pocket presence that Joe Burrow is he is not the player that Joe Burrow is not really looking to make that early of an investment in him he's probably the tallest QB going pro I think he is yeah uh, I have an interesting bit of trivia on Pickett you said it there with Carolina he actually originally committed to play for Temple University when Matt Rule was the head coach so Carolina, now head coach Matt Rule, who recruited him coming out of high school, could potentially still want his guy. You said it a couple times there, years prior, the most touchdowns he had through was 13 and 9 interceptions most years. This year, 42 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. That's a meteoric rise, bigger than even Burrow had. That is an outlier season. 
He had third in the Heisman voting. Uh, receiver Jordan Addison is definitely up there for next year's class. Had 100 receptions, 1,600 yards, and 17 touchdowns, his leading receiver. That is someone to keep on your radar there, Jordan Addison. So a little trivia for you guys. I want to see who gets this. <laughs> you ready? Put your thinking caps on. <laughs> Pickett was only the third QB in the ACC to pass for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Can you name the other two? No, but you can. That's a good answer. Come on. Henry knows. Was it was it this year or overall? Overall. All right. Phillip Rivers. Nope. Russell Wilson. Nope. All right. Fourth out. Taj Boyd. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Trevor you want to keep going? Nope. Trevor Lawrence, uh, Deshaun Watson. No, uh, yes, it was Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Who else are the ACC teams? Matt Ryan. Nope. I mean, if you just keep guessing, eventually you're going to get them, right? <laughs> Yeah, I just got to think back through all the teams here. Howell, did Howell have a year like that? Jamius Winston. Jamius Winston from <laughs> yeah. Florida State, yeah. yep. He's the Jamius of Jamises. Yeah. Jamison Licker. You know, I always have to have some fun facts. <laughs> that was my fun fact for the day. That was a fun guess. Aw. I didn't know there'd be a test. <laughs> I didn't know this would be on the test. I didn't study this chapter. I, yeah, well, <laughs> I did homework, therefore I'm giving you tests. <laughs> I do agree with a lot of what Mike said about not making a ton of big-time throws. It was really the only highlight play people remember was the fake slide. I mean, seriously. It's like there's no other, like, Mm. hang-your-hat-on-it game from him. There was no, like... No. It wasn't a Burrow-type season where he just lit the world on fire and he was out there smoking cigars and winning national championships. It was like... You know, pretty good year. Yeah, people know who he is. They think he's going to be drafted high. Yeah. Just, you know, it's not the same thing as Burrow. It might be closer to Mac Jones, where Mac Jones sat for a number of years behind Tua and had that late breakout. And people really wrote off Mac Jones because, like, terrible athlete and Bama quarterback, system quarterback. Maybe Pickett, if he's drafted by the right team. Like, if he gets a Bill Belichick at head coach, he can look good. But if he goes to the Panthers, they're going to ruin him like Darnold. So I would be scared (laughs) if he landed somewhere bad. Yeah, Pittsburgh's solid. Yeah. Not, you know, like I said, not a guy I'm looking to take 103, 104. Could go from the Pittsburgh Panthers to the Carolina Panthers. Or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Could. All right, let's move into a wide receiver. Jahan Dotson. 5'11", 178 pounds, 22 years old, senior out of Penn State. Um, He could have declared for the 2021 season, but he came back for his senior year and said he had some unfinished business. Iowa, let's go to you about Jahan Dotson. What are your feelings on Jahan in this draft? Well, even coming back, he's just now 22 years old. 5'11", 178. He ran a 4.43. When you you watch the clips of this guy, you could tell this guy has hands. Supernatural hand catching movements. Like it's a natural thing for this guy to catch the ball. Not only that, he's got hops and he is fast. If you look for special teams and your wide receiver prospects, he checks that box. And when he came back, he once again posted another massive target share. He played with Pat Fryermuth two years ago, KJ Hamler, which was the reason why he didn't break out sooner. Jahan Dotson last year was one of the most targeted players in college football. Watching him, I feel like it's a justified for him to be around that mid-second range. Everyone's favorite thing to say is, what if he lands on the Packers? Like any wide receiver, if they land on the Packers, that opportunity is going to be pretty golden for as long as you're not just like a shiny turd. (laughs) Whoever ends up with Jahan Dotson, I think is probably going to end up with the steal. Do like to see them produce at an earlier age. You do like to see them declare early at a wide receiver, which he doesn't check these boxes. Not so blood and I'm just like super excited as far as breaking into elite tier of wide receiver status, but someone who I could use for fantasy football with the correct opportunity. Maybe even comparable to Antonio Brown in size, who's 5'10", 185 pounds? Uh, Antonio Brown is a, a route technician. I don't know necessarily yep. Jahan Dotson is on that kind of level for sure. Hamler also, I think, would have been a 4'2 guy yeah. if you ran the yes. 40. Yes. Now, Hamler was a much faster. That was one thing the Broncos said about Hamler coming out was like they used a GPS tracking system on him in a game and they like measured him at 24 and a half miles an hour running. It was like the fastest GPS time they had on a new receiver. I'm like, that's great if he doesn't tear his ACL every season. Yeah. (laughs) 
one of these days we'll get to see. Yep, him and Paris Campbell both need to play football. <laughs> yeah, Dotson to Doc Watson. All right, from Dotson to Christian Watson. Clark Kent, this one's yours. We got a wide receivo. Wide receivo? <laughs> what? <laughs> Steve-o. The first episode, Noble tries to be bilingual. I, 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 I don't even know. I went Dotson, Watson, you know, whatever. So Christian Watson, wide receiver uh, out of North Dakota State, 6'4", 208 pounds, 22 years old. What What are your thoughts on, on Watson, Henry? Well, he's certainly... The Watson of choice as of late. <laughs> Christian Watson was from North Dakota State. He's a Bison. Uh, played with Trey Lance as a freshman. And then they had the sophomore year where their conference elected not to play football due to the COVID-19 pandemic. He had, you know, not the greatest production in the world as a receiver. Uh, in large part due to North Dakota State's offense. They really just run all over everyone in their conference. It's like North Dakota State wins their championship. They're not even fully Division One. They win like the Division One Class B championship every year, and it's just domination. So they run the ball like 50 times a game. He had 800 yards and seven touchdowns, basically as a freshman and as a junior. Sophomore year again was a COVID year, didn't play. Pretty much off of 40 catches both years. It was basically the same stat line as a freshman and junior, and that equates to about 20 yards per catch, which is the 4-3-6 speed. 6-4. He's play the X receiver. Does he burn his guy off the line? Awesome. 70-yard touchdown. Does he not? Okay, we're running the ball. So it'll be interesting to see how that translates to the NFL. One of the great things about them being a run-first team is we got a chance to see him as a blocker. And he goes 6-4-208. Is that a lanky guy? He is a blocker. You know, he could line up a tight end and lays people out. I mean, he comes over the middle and takes on linebackers on blocks and just lays them out. And again, you could say the competition of those linebackers are not big, like Division One linebackers or NFL linebackers. He seems like a, a physical beast in that sense. He also is a contortionist. Watching him get underthrown every play on the sideline, he can come back to the ball, catch it. I've never seen a guy that big be able to flip his body around 180 degrees, catch it, and then turn 180 degrees again midair and then start running upfield. It is insane to me. And he's got elite hands, elite size, and elite speed to me. So you're saying if he doesn't make it in the NFL, he could possibly make it in Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> Something. I mean, he, he seems like a gymnast. It's pretty impressive. He's... To me, he is one of the few receivers in this draft, along with Burks and uh, Drake London, that have true X potential with the size and the speed and the contested catchability. He's comparable for me to Chase Claypool coming out, the lack of target share. I mean, he, he got a big portion of the target share, but lack of receptions due to the offense and DJ Chark as well being 6'4", about 200 pounds, 4'3". I mean, 4'3", 6 to 6'4", is elite speed. I would like to see him use maybe a little more weight, you know, put on maybe another 10 pounds if he can, but we saw it not really matter with Devonta Smith. And he took a couple, like, end of rounds, like we saw Chase Claypool do in the NFL level. He had 24 attempts for 112 yards and two touchdowns. Claypool did in the NFL. And Watson had similar usage in college. The only concern for him is lack of collegiate production, lack of high-level competition. And he's not necessarily like a super refined route runner, but I think he makes up for it in the ability to have a wide catch radius. So was he used a lot? He was a kickoff returner. Wouldn't surprise me because he's their best athlete. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Easily. So does that concern you at all that he could be used as such if he's drafted into the NFL? He'll get too high a draft capital. Honestly, when a college team uses a player as a kick returner in college, that is frequently one of the best players on the team. This is one of your faster players and one of your best players in the open field. Those are two things that you are looking for in prospects at wide receiver, and you're usually choosing one of your better players, especially punt returner, even more so than kick returner. But when you see a wide receiver prospect has return 
production in college, that's a checkbox. That's something where this team deemed them good enough to be the person who takes tries to take the ball and move it as far forward as we can when it's just one person who's going to catch the ball running in, in the open field. It's like a vote of confidence by the team for whatever player is selected there, so you can use it as at least one of the checkboxes for votes of confidence for wide receiver products when you're evaluating them. Okay, good to know. Interesting. Yeah, they're not think- paying them a lot of money, so they don't have to worry about them getting hurt like that. Yeah. With Watson, when we started the mock drafts, this guy was like a fourth, fifth round guy. And then he goes to the senior bowl and all of a sudden this guy's a second round draft pick in mock drafts for rookie drafts. A super flex is what I'm always talking. Henry said it. You guys said it there. At 6'4", he's even taller than Drake London. And this guy runs a 4.36. We don't know what London ran, but it, he has those awesome check boxes. It's just this glaring red flag that is he was doing it against, and I'll quote Papa, accountants, <laughs> where it's the strength of competition is not great. So in you put someone who's six foot four and runs a four three six against a bunch of people who aren't playing division one football, the odds that they're going to look great seem pretty good in my mind. So, you know, when you watch, it's like, yeah, he looks great, but would he be Nico Collins for Clemson? I don't know if, how great of a comp that is, but it's at least kind of close where they're Collins was tall and skinny fast Mm -hmm. if he was in a better uh, situation would he get that and how much do we like nico collins now he's 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 one of the you know mid later guys that i like to have going into this season so as far as if you were to temper expectations with that those awesome check boxes height speed production dynamic which is when you're saying they're getting like touches out of the backfield special teams he has all those boxes checked it's just at north dakota state yeah i would fully expect him to be a top 25 pick in the draft i would be shocked if he weren't one of the top four receivers taken which i think is not necessarily a unanimous belief but as we get closer to the draft he'll be one of those guys you hear the name of just flying up boards sounds like you're not getting them in the mid-second though depending on landing spot you know it's one of those guys if you just throw out all the teams that everyone loves and give them to the packers the chiefs the bills or something then yeah he'll be a mid to late first receiver and one last thing with wide receivers an important thing is early breakout and early declare mm-hmm. and he broke out in a lot of minds at the senior bowl so as a junior right but i guess you can go to senior bowl when you've graduated college so technically right. he graduated college and he's about to turn 23 years old he's 22.9 currently so you've got those couple little data points working against him but still player profiler all the bars are big like you're saying to be that fast that tall yeah he just looked like a freak like build wise just long lanky and controlled like you see guys like that sometimes and they get awkward when they get that big it's like they don't know how to use it baby giraffe syndrome yeah like like they're weirdly lanky and their legs are too long to run it's he was not that guy so this is a guy that you'd be like you're looking big today <laughs> maybe not i'm i might weigh i weigh more than this guy oh boy <laughs> but you're not as tall <laughs> no i'd be like you're a giant <laughs> Let's, uh, last but not least, is the sky the limit for Sky Moore? Uh, Claire, we're moving on to Sky Moore, wide receiver out of Western Michigan, five foot 10, 195 pounds, 21 years old. Um, this is a guy who in high school actually started at a defensive back and quarterback. Um, and freshman year of college, he was switched over to a wide receiver position. Um, what is your opinion on Sky Moore? He really only had one year of production in college, 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns this last year. He played alongside of Dwayne Eskridge. Some people call him D. Eskridge, including Sky Moore himself when interviewed about him. He said, you know, D has been a huge tool for me, talking about how to handle yourself going into the NFL draft, how to become a pro, how to become a better receiver. And some people will see that and be like, I hate Dwayne Eskridge, so that's a negative. But he was a second-round pick, so maybe that helps Sky Moore get some capital, is that, in my opinion, he's a lot better than Dwayne Eskridge. He's younger than Dwayne Eskridge, for sure, and ran a faster 40, assuming you don't take his pro day at face value for Dwayne Eskridge. 4-4-1 at the 40. 
That's plenty fast. Low four fours or receivers, very good. Played high school quarterback very briefly. He said he mostly played cornerback and safety. And then his first day going into college, he got a call after he had already fully committed. He was on his way there. They go, can't wait to work with you at receiver. And he goes, what? Surprise! <laughs> it took him two years to really become acclimated to playing receiver. And that's why we saw the third year breakout, in my opinion. He was obviously the best receiver. Or number 24 in college. He lined up outside a bunch, often in one receiver sets. Or there'd be like a weird two tight end, like wing offense where there was a guy next to the tight end on one side and it was just him alone on one side of the field and they'd run him on slants and go routes were pretty much his route tree which was reminiscent of diami brown to me where it was you know make one cut at the line and shake the guy lower level of competition touchdown and he was really good at that question is can he develop more of a route tree because that will be necessary at the nfl level he's not like a dk metcalf where he can get away with running a slant and a go route because he's so freaking big and fast he's gonna need to become a more complete receiver he said it himself he said he needs to work on his releases and break points that is a direct quote from him so if the receiver's telling you that then it probably is a concern for him along with nfl teams he had a monster game against northern illinois that i watched again how great is the competition of northern illinois maybe not great at all makes it hard for sure yeah i didn't see him create a lot of separation on those 50 50 balls like fade routes i don't think that's how you're going to use a 5 10 190 pound receiver in the nfl it's just how he was used at western michigan it was weird watching him run routes that weren't slanting like fades because he would take a bunch of tiny little steps trying to get his feet right and in the right position on the field and once he got the ball in his hands he would pull away from people he would outrun everyone on the field the moment he caught the ball but before that he couldn't create separation and so that's a little alarming i heard a lot of buzz of him wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the second round of the draft i would not expect him to be a first rounder would surely expect him to be gone in round two or three of the draft he said he was a steelers fan growing up no idea how much you know that'll play into who drafts him probably not at all but yeah underthrown a ton in college from what i could see Again, I just, I like the athlete. A good comp for him for me was Golden Tate. Golden Tate played some running back in college. I think this guy could be used as a running back or as a slot receiver. Just kind of, he's got the speed and he's got pretty big size for being 5'10". Any concern about lacking competition from top level talent? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's the thing is like looking great versus accountants. Yeah. Northern Illinois, you put up like four touchdowns. It's like awesome. Great game. But uh, yeah, go do that against, you know, Jalen Ramsey. He's 21 and a half. So he's got that going for him. He's the age of early declares. At least he checks that box. Like you said, 441 checks that box. At least 510, a little big for 510, checks that box. That's fine. Has production, but strength competition and maybe lack of diverse route tree, if I understand what you're saying correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the comp of him to Diami Brown, where Diami came into UNC as a former DB, switched to receiver. Took him a while. It could take him a year or two in the NFL to really develop. This is not a guy I would expect to draft and just see him blow up as a rookie. If you draft him, have the knowledge that you might not see a great rookie year and be okay with that. Say, I'm going to have to probably wait a year or two for this guy to really blossom on my dynasty team. I think it could easily pay dividends for you depending on where you get him, or he could be a guy you wait to trade for after the first year of his career. Dwayne Eskridge, more of a father figure for him, given that he's three whole years older than him (laughs) coming out of college i don't know how yeah i don't know how an nfl team doesn't look at him and go you know 21 years old new to the position can develop as as a really good athlete versus dwayne eskridge last year was like 24 had to transfer there because he wasn't very good at receiver and then was even smaller than him so i think he can get surprising capital but don't fall into the trap of being like this guy's gonna be a steal and a stud day one because i would be a little surprised Good taxi stash. For sure. If you've locked taxis, I think he's a great locked taxi candidate. If you have open taxis, then maybe lesser. So Probably concludes this segment of rookies. And that's probably all we're going to get to today. Yep. Okay. Listen, Mike. If you want me to keep saying nice things about you in intros, you better be nice to me. (laughs) Mike the fantasy handsome side out. I'm not going to compare you to Magic Mike anymore. (laughs) No, just just don't call Henry handsome first. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that concludes this episode of the Rank Draft Trade podcast. I hope you enjoyed all of the information brought to you by our fantasy faves. Tune in next week. 
Maybe some buying, selling. I can't say that. Oh, yeah. Is that legal? I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Buying and selling, don't you mean? Uh, Trading and acquiring? Yeah, yeah. Really, uh, getting rid of and acquiring. Yeah. Hiring and firing? <laughs> yeah, hiring, yeah. hiring. As a fantasy manager, I roster players. <laughs> There you go. We got the nerf case for everything on the episode. <laughs> I didn't get any of that. I don't. Am I? Is there an inside joke here? There definitely is between Iowa and me, and probably Papa as well, because we were told that uh, we were fantasy managers who roster people. Oh, that's right. You can't mm -hmm. say certain yes. words. Yes. And we're not allowed to buy and sell. Buy, yeah. sell. Correct. Or. Probably even draft. I don't it's know, funny, but you can, you, can trade, you can trade them, which, you know, yeah. that definitely doesn't right. have yeah. any kind of negative connotation okay. to it whatsoever. No, 100% not. Nope. Totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a firm believer that we are playing a game where we are, we are picking the statistical performances of players. We're not picking players. These are game pieces in a digital arena. They're like trading cards. They're trading yeah. cards. I like it. Yep. Yeah. like virtual people. Mm -hmm. It's like a stock market yeah. game. Yeah. Trading cards with 10 times the anxiety. What assets do you have and how can you acquire new assets? Work by buying and selling your assets. <laughs> but you can't buy and sell because that's not allowed. Yep. Yep. You can bet your assets. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? You can't. We can't say that. We're not soft. Oh, we can. Yeah, we can say that. Oh, we can say that? You're letting me? We can. Oh, yeah, we were kidding. Oh, I thought that was off limits. Yeah, yeah we, we were totally oh, okay. joking oh, around. Yeah, yeah. We talk about pulling out and finishing elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. On this show. <laughs> we never said anything about finishing. Okay. Anyway, as always, we thank you for listening, and we hope we made all of your fantasy dreams come true. Henry, on... Only friends. Yes. <laughs> Find us on... Oh, God. What is it? Wait a minute. It's Twitter. That's Twitter. Find us on Twitter at... One of these days, you'll listen back to the podcast. I can't. You guys and don't do understand. Again, the I next listen one. over and over again. I don't retain is my issue. It's on the Twitter. And that's why at the end of each one, it's suddenly mixed I know. Every time. Every time. All right, guys. Let's tell them where they can find us on Twitter. Mike. Where can they find at, you? Uh, the at symbol on the Twitter with the underscore Papa Bear. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we always explain the at symbol. Well, it's, I, I don't know. You have to type it or you can't find it. Yeah. Henry, where can they oh. find you? So if you hit the shift button and the two number on your keyboard, you get the at symbol, Clairvoyance <laughs> FF on Twitter. Nick, tell them where they can find you and this podcast. If you are connected to the internet and you're on the interwebs, there's this application called Tweeter, and you can find me at Iowa in the NFL. Is there an at symbol? Yes. I don't think you actually have to spell it out. Okay. And you need to make it an account, but you don't need to use your real name. Okay. And you guys can find me at NobleG underscore FF on Twitter. And you can find the whole podcast at Ranked Draft Trade on Twitter. Yes. Look how fancy he is. Nailed it! Good luck piecing that one together.